Hello, everyone. You are tuned in to CK Huddle, the podcast that unpacks and simplifies complex money, accounting, and tax topics that impact the bottom line. I'm Ignatius L. Jackson, CPA, and my co-host is Eric Pierre, CPA. We are practicing CPAs with a knack for translating tax and accounting hot topics into a language that is easily understood. This podcast is for everyone, working professionals, household managers, retirees, business owners, professional athletes, boomerangs, college students, and yes, you. It's time to increase your money management IQ, so let's huddle up. Hi, everybody. This is Eric Pierre, CPA, with my co-host, Ignatius Jackson, and welcome to CPA Huddle. We just wanted to give you guys a quick update to this podcast that you're about to listen to. So this was recorded on February 18th of 2021, and there were some updates to the PPP program and some other items that we talked about in the podcast. So we just wanted to kind of give you this quick update to supplement what we discussed during the podcast show that's about to air here. So one of the key things that changed in the last uh, month or so since we did this recording is lines for your Schedule C filers, you can actually use line seven of your Schedule C to get your PPP loan now instead of using line 31. That's pretty huge because it allows business owners who had net losses previously that were ineligible for the PPP loan to go through and actually apply now using line seven instead of using line 31. You can still use line 31 though, if you want to use that for your PPP loan, but they're just giving you another option to go through and get it. And it's a pretty simple calculation. If you have no employees in your business, uh, you basically just use line seven. If you do have employees, you have to back out certain lines on your schedule C from your tax return. So just kind of keep that in mind. The other change they made was in relation to, if you do use line seven, they will, and it's greater than $150,000, you are going to have to essentially prove financial need for the loan when you go to apply for forgiveness. So keep that in mind. You know, if your gross receipts are higher than $150,000, you're going to need to substantiate kind of why you needed the loan. Whereas if you use line 31, you would not really have to do that. They're just basically giving you a safe harbor that says you qualify essentially. And then some other clarifications that came up is that they loosened up some of the requirements, the certifications in regards to felony convictions and things of that nature, as well as student loan debt issues that you might have in your background. So those are a couple updates to the PPP program that happened. And then Eric, do you want to kind of touch on some of the other changes that we noticed? Yes. So keeping the theme of the PPP, in regards to forgiveness at the state level, a lot of states have still not made a decision on if they're going to tax you on the PPP forgiveness, EIDL advances, SBA loan payments, et cetera, from that tax standpoint. So you may want to consider filing an extension to wait until your state clarifies that stance. Otherwise, you, have to, you may have to file an amended return. And for those of you that aren't aware, the IRS is still behind right now. Filing an amended return is a death now because you may have to wait potentially a year for them to respond to that. The program for the PPP is set to sunset on March 31, but a bill is working through Congress to extend the PPP program since there's still a lot of funding available due to some last-minute rule changes. Unemployment benefits, that did change under the American Rescue Plan, or ARP. The first 10200 of those unemployment benefits are no longer taxable if your income is $150,000 or less in 2020. 
We will do another podcast to discuss the American Rescue Plan Act that was just passed. So stay tuned and subscribe. All right, everybody. Enjoy the show. We'll talk to you later. On today's episode, we're going to give you all an update on the CARES Act. Hello, everybody. Ignatius L. Jackson, CPA here. Thanks, Eric, for that. Uh, Today, we're talking about the CARES Act. You know, we're going to cover a bunch of different topics on the CPA Huddle show here today. Paycheck Protection Program, Economic Injury Disaster Loans, the Employer Retention Credit, the Families First Coronavirus Response Act credits, which are basically emergency paid sick leave and family leave. And then a couple of miscellaneous business tax updates that were in the CARES Act, part due or whatever you want to call it, <laughs> the, the refresh. Um, also <laughs> the, the, the re- excuse me, it's called the remix. Come on. Remix. Let's... Okay. The remix. <laughs> you know, this is good. the remix. Uh, this is the remix. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> it's also sometimes referred to as the Consolidated Appropriations Act. Um, so yeah. So we're going to. We're going to get into some of those nitty gritties and, you know, give you guys a little bit of an update of what happened there. And even some of our experiences, you know, working with the various programs and things of that nature. So we can kind of talk through some of that for you guys. So let's start with PPP, probably one of the more popular of all the programs oh, yeah. out there. Oh, yeah. oh, you know, yeah. let's, let's kind of touch on some of the key things of that. If you want to maybe go with that first, Eric. Yeah, sure. Now, like I said, you know, Anastas, I know you work with the PPP more than I do. But, you know, what's interesting before we get into it, in our industry, we found out that 37,000 accounting firms accepted PPP loans. So this is a big deal in the industry, whether you're a practitioner or your business looking to get it. Everybody wants the PPP, you know, and the government was handing them out like Oprah handing out free gifts at the end of her show. That said. Calling out all those CPA firms like that? I'm not calling out. I I was one of them. I think it was a great thing. Okay. Okay. (laughs) I'd be a hypocrite to call it out and I accepted it now. That would make me a hypocritical like a politician. So it's a great thing. Now, with the uh, PPP, if you're going to apply for round two, there's a couple of things. Number one, if you receive the first round PPP, all those funds have to be spent. You can't be uh, trying to double dip or I would say st- stack your bread. Can't do that. Okay. And then, you know, Nations, you could correct me if I'm wrong. You have to show in one of the four quarters between 19 and 20, gross receipt decline of 25% or more. That's absolutely correct. Yep. Uh, but there's and, a couple of exceptions to that if you weren't operating for the full year of 2019. Mm-hmm. But generally speaking, yes, that's what you would do. Compare year over year, 2020 quarters to 2019 quarters. Correct. And then also, if your payroll costs were higher, in 2020, and this is your second PPP loan, you can use that. Otherwise, you can defer back to your first cost using your first application. So the uh, I did one of these for a client of mine. It was a small PPP loan. He got his funding from when we started to finish in 10 days. So because of the criteria, these, this round is much faster. Not as many businesses are going to qualify this time as uh, last year. No, that's absolutely right. And I believe there's only been about 110 billion of the 250 billion that's been allocated so far. Um, and the program has been around for almost, uh, let's say 30 to 40 days, I think it's been. And so it, the money's definitely leaving a lot slower than it did in the, that first round that came out, primarily due to some changes that they made, I think, to the process. 
you know, the SBA being a little more, not necessarily stringent, but double checking things a little bit better right. I think this time around, which is definitely delaying some of the loan applications. You know, it's, it's, I have clients where it's taken two to three weeks to get fully approved, but they eventually did get approved and through the process and got funded. And so, you know, I say this time around, the one key would be, you know, just kind of be patient with the process because they are trying to prevent all the fraud that happened in the first go around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember I remember we had rappers buying luxury cars with PPP yeah. and Rolexes. Yeah. That was that was great. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, public companies getting the loans as well when they really didn't need the money. So there's a lot of silliness that was going on in that first round. And so they put they're trying to put the kibosh on a lot of that stuff that got a lot of the negative press. Yeah, just be patient with your lender or whoever's kind of helping you through the process. Uh, but you'll get your money. It seems like there's plenty of money available at this point. doesn't look like it's going to run out before March 31st, but we'll see. I mean, you could have a, an onslaught of people coming through and yeah. trying to get some more funds. So, I would recommend you to apply as soon as possible because the nations, I think that's what's going to happen. Because you know, yeah. there's a deadline. People, when it comes to financials, you know, such as tax deadlines, people tend to wait. So last minute and expect a miracle. So oh. if you're listening and you're on the fence about applying for the PPP two loan and you qualify, get in as soon as possible. Do not wait to the last minute. You may be left holding an empty bag. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Even though it doesn't, you know, you may not run out of funds, you don't want to bank on it. Absolutely get your application in as soon as possible. Don't procrastinate on this one. Uh, <laughs> There's, there's no guarantee that you're going to get that money if you do. So Absolutely. The one thing I did also want to mention that, uh, you know, you talked about getting a second loan, but if you never got a loan the first time, and there's a lot of businesses out there, especially that look like you and I, who didn't get one the first time because they either didn't know about it or they were too afraid to apply. They they're like, oh, well, it's a loan. I don't want to get a loan and have to pay it back. They didn't know that it can be forgiven. So that's the right. thing I want to mention is this is a forgivable loan. You know, um, you should be able to get the funds as long as you follow the rules and you can get it forgiven. And for sole right. providers, which is the, the typical small business, one person operating, as long as you have a profit on line 31 of your Schedule C, you get a PPP loan. You qualify. That's right. That, that, that's that's right. That's why I just submitted for uh, an older gentleman in Austin who's got a Schedule C. And, you know, when you talk about the Black community, I was recently, as you saw online, I was recently on uh, Rolling Out. Shout out to Tasha Romeo. Thank you for having me. I was asked about the lack of emphasis on financial planning in the Black community. And unfortunately, Nation's part of the problem. There's not enough of us as financial professionals that look like us to talk about it, you know, when we go to the barbershop, you rarely hear about finances, you hear about sports, we, we talk about women, yep. we talk about cars, you know, so I'm keeping it real. So I won't say what, what all we talk about, but it's our country club. Okay. Yeah. So part, you know, part of why we missed the, the first round was one, some, some of us did not know about it. And then secondly, those of us that did apply and rejected did not keep good financial records. You know, I had a young African-American client. He was trying to get a second PPP and he was encouraged to commit fraud. He asked oh. me to amend his 1120S and add another 
$100,000 on top of its income. So I said, mm. I need to see your bank statement because otherwise it's bank fraud. Right. And he debated me at first. So I had to go show him the DOJ page of people who have done similar schemes and got in trouble. And I said, now you know this. If you ask, I am not doing this. And he thanked me. He was about to go to jail. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> and you have people out there saying that. The same thing about, you know, putting a lot of money on a Schedule C for 2020, like a draft Schedule C, and then thinking, oh, when I do my taxes, I'm going to lower it to my actual profit. That's fraud as well. You don't want to do that. And I guarantee you, the SBA has access to your tax records. Let's, let me just yes, break that down. They have access to your tax records. When you go for that loan, you grant them access to your tax records. So guess what? They're going to go, uh, if it's not six months from now, a year from now, however long from now, and they're going to do a comparison to your tax records. And if they find you were lying, guess what? You might have the DOJ knocking on your door one day. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah no, don't, don't play around with it. You know, when, Whenever you're dealing with federal loans and federal stuff like this, don't mess around with it. I, I agree with you. I was having a conversation with somebody yesterday about the same thing. And it's a, another young black entrepreneur. And I'm just like, look, man, I be careful. That's all I said. Just be careful. Yeah. You know, whatever you submit for your application, you're committing. That's what your 2020 at taxes are going to look like. So taxability. Obviously, we're CPAs. Let's talk about some taxes on the PPP loans. Oh, man. This, oh, man. Yeah. Huge, huge break. Huge break. Because, yeah. you know, on tax Twitter, they've been going back and forth. And you got Brian and Adam and Logan and Needy. All the big shots of tax Twitter were talking about this for the longest time. But Congress passed at the end of last year that the uh, expenditures are tax deductible. And that the receipt of the income is not is not taxable as well. Now, depending on your entity, you may have to add it to your basis, and that's the one thing that's still been going around. But if you but is it taxable income to receive a PPP loan this one or next one? No, it's not. That was announced late December 2020. Most people didn't see it because unfortunately we were talking about a certain president's uh, legitimate or illegitimate election, depending on how you feel. Let's not get political on this show. Well, well um, I'm just, I'm just yeah. saying that, that 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 everybody heard about that, and so one of the biggest yeah, bombshells that help people yeah. financially stuck under the radar. This should have been huge news. I agree. I agree. Uh, it, it, should have, it should have been huge news, but it was overshadowed by. It was overshadowed. Yeah, I'm just yeah. stating the fact, please. I agree. I don't I need agree. Republicans, and Democrats tweeting at me. Please don't do that. Yeah, let's, we're not we're not saying anything. Yeah. We, we love all taxpayers. We love all businesses. We, we, we represent we all, have, yeah. all, all political parties on as clients. Okay, so yeah. <laughs> all right. So, but no, that's a very good point. Not taxable at the federal level. That's firm. However, some states. Some states. Have to worry about some states, right? Yeah. So we haven't had final guidance from all the states on what they're going to do. So be a little patient in that regard, but. Given that most states' tax rates are, you know, pretty low, comparatively speaking to your federal tax obligations, even yeah. if that's the case, it's a big win. So, big win. Hey, California so far is not taxing PPP funds, which shocked me because they'll, ta they'll tax everything. Yeah, I saw in our article actually this morning that they were considering doing a threshold, a little oh, under 150000 
would not be taxable, but over they would be apparently. I don't oh. know. Well, Ga- you know, well, Gavin needs money to continue to look good, you know, with his yes. clothes and his French laundry dinners and his perfectly coiffed hair. I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> California does have one of the highest state tax rates you know, oh, yeah. in the country. So, yeah, it's uh, I love California. I would love to maybe relocate there one day, but I don't want to pay those taxes. I'm sorry. I pay enough as this. Yeah, it's, it's same here. We still have an office there, so I, I pay the business taxes. It's not fun. Yeah, yeah. I obviously, you know, we're both available if you guys need help with the loan application or you need some help understanding it. You know, I think each of our firms are kind of helping people get through the process. So if you guys need any help or just don't understand and want us to kind of help explain a little more, feel free to reach out to either one of us, I think. And, and if you contact either one of our firms, please mention that you listen to the CPA huddle so that we know to respond back. I get a lot of spam calls these days, Ignatius does. So if you're listening to this program and you want help on the PPP or any other topic we ever talk about, please reference this show so we know you're a listener and that we will call you back immediately. Next thing, ERTC, Employee Retention Tax Credit. Ooh. This is the next big news that came out of this updated. Yeah, this is a sex. This is a sexy yeah. credit. This, this is an awesome one. I agree. Oh, yeah. I agree. So. If, for those that may not know, during the first round of PPP that went out back in August of last year, there was a rule that if you got a PPP loan, you couldn't then go also do the employee retention tax credit. That's correct. And the employee retention tax credit was actually fairly advantageous. And so mm-hmm. what they did is they actually took away that rule. So even if you got a PPP loan in 2020 or you get one in 2021, you are now eligible to go back and retroactively do the employer retention tax credit. And right. so this credit's pretty freaking awesome. Um, you know, you get uh, up to 50% of the employee's wages as a credit in 2020, up to a max of $10,000 worth of wages. So basically a maximum credit of five grand per employee. Plus then on top of that, you get in 2021, you get a credit of up to $7,000 per employee, which it's a 70% credit on the first $10,000 per quarter. Okay, yes. So in 2020, it was a, for the whole year, the max was $10,000 worth of wages. For 2021, the max is a $10,000 wages per quarter per employee. Wow. So that's a pretty, pretty powerful tax credit. And so you qualify for the employer retention tax credit by one of two ways. All right. Either you were shut down partially or fully by the government. Okay. So your city, that you operate in or your state that you operate in said, nope, you can't operate. Um, so this is perfect for like restaurants, gyms, movie theaters, and I don't know, any other type of places like that, right? That were shut down partially. Fully. Now, Ignatius, um, real yep. quick, when you talk about shutdown, just to, cl- just to clarify for the audience, this is going to be businesses that were considered non-essential that were closed, right? Because our business was considered essential in our respective states of Texas, Arizona, California. So if your business was considered essential, you were allowed to stay open unless the federal government or the state personally shut you down, you won't qualify for that criteria. Exactly, exactly. And even if you are not essential, but you were able to still operate remotely, right, and it had, didn't have a detrimental impact on your operations, then you still would not qualify under that rule, 
Okay. Correct. So like consultants, for example, who could do their work anywhere, or I don't know, I'm trying to think of some other legal lawyers, things like that. Who can IT kind of services. So IT services. Yeah. All great examples. So, you know, we're, you're thinking for, for the shutdown, you're thinking of places like restaurants that have a forward facing retail stores where people come to the store to shop. You know, they're not able to come to the store and shop, that kind of thing. Right. So, so that's but, one way. Right. Of, and, and, this case, this, and this gets a little gray because, you know, I have a client that's an IT company. Their profits were a little higher than last year, but they were not allowed to be in their uh, office building and they had a big team. So their capacity to operate uh, was compromised and they still had to pay rent for office space they couldn't even use. Again, you know, with the ERTC, all we have right now are some IRS FAQs, right? There's no, <laughs> there's no actual firm guidance like revenue rulings, court cases, things like that to go off of. So until some of this stuff gets adjudicated, we're kind of just going off of our best, you know, guess in, to a certain extent. You know what I mean? So. And if you're on the fence, I say go for it. Exactly. I, I, I agree. I mean, the worst, <laughs> thing can, worst thing they can tell you is no, right? Right. Because um, they granted to you, you're gonna, you, you'll get to keep it. So. Yeah. 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 Exactly. So, yeah. So that's one way you can get it by being partially or fully shut down. The second way that you can get it is by having a reduction in revenues, a significant reduction in revenues. So one way that you qualify for 2020 is a 50% reduction in revenues. So that's the 2020 rule. For 2021, the rule is 20% reduction in revenues. So if you have a 20% reduction in revenues for a quarter in 2021 compared to either 2019 or 2020, then you get to take it as well. So those are some really cool benefits. And so if you're not sure if you qualify or not, I would definitely reach out to one of us. We can certainly help you to figure out if you are or not. You know, we we are still kind of waiting on some additional guidance from IRS that we're hoping that they issue, but they're moving kind of slow. You know, they're prioritizing the tax season, trying to get that going. Um, yeah, but yeah there's, you could definitely potentially get some additional funds from that employee retention tax credit. So don't forget about it. Yeah, and, and it's just, I have a client, they're an audit client, so we couldn't do this for them, but they got... A $200,000 ERTC. Oh, nice. That definitely pays a few bills. I agree. I agree. I agree. Anything else you want to touch on for the ERTC? I think you did a good job nailing it. If you're on the fence, apply for it. Yeah, exactly. I agree. All right. So EIDL, Economic Injury Disaster Loans. Okay. So those are still available. They extended the deadline to apply through December 31st, 2021. That's for the loan part. Okay. Now, another change in the law was in relation to the advance. Everybody heard about this advance that happened last year. Did you hear about that, Eric? The $10,000 yeah, yeah. and all the drama? It was, yeah, it was, they said 10000 but then it was like 1000 and then you get an extra 1000 per employee, something yeah. like that. Yeah, it was a little yeah, weird. Yeah, that, that debauchery. The SBA yeah. really shafted the small business owner on that one. Um, they, you know, they did it. You could argue maybe for a good reason, because they thought the funds were going to be depleted really quickly if they just gave it to everybody. But at the same time, it doesn't seem like, you know, the spirit of the the law was really followed to a certain extent. And so from that perspective, um, the Congress basically stepped in and said, all right, we're going to put more money into this. We want you to go back and fix the fact that 
you only gave some small businesses a thousand dollars of this ten thousand dollar grant we wanted to give them because they only have one employee and basically we want you to go and give them the rest but in order to qualify for the rest what they did is they put some stipulations in there okay so they said you had to have a 30 percent reduction in your gross receipts and you have to be in a low-income community so if you show those two mm. things then you basically can get the excess money that you should have gotten that you were not provided. So whatever the difference is between the 10,000 and the amount that you received, whether it was 1,000, 3,000, 4,000, whatever. So that was a pretty nice little perk uh, that they added to it as well. Yeah. But the key is you gotta be in the low-income community. And how do you know if you're in the low-income community? You look at the new markets tax credit. Uh, so wherever the new markets tax credit qualifies, you should qualify for the EIDL mm. advance refresh. So, so my clients in San Diego are going to have a hard time with this one, aren't they? I don't think San Diego is going to be on that list. No. Oh, no. <laughs> but you never you know, know. You never making know. Making $150,000 out there feels like low income with the cost of living. Uh, I, hey, I get it. That's why I don't live there. I live yeah. in Texas, which is a five hour drive. And I go over there and, you know, enjoy my time on the weekend or whatever. And then I come back home to my cheap cost of living. All right. So and one thing, if you get a lar uh, large loan, I think 150000 up, you have to have the uh, hazard insurance. You do. And also any loan over 25000 they will put a lien on all of your business assets. And you also have to kind of put up everything as collateral. And you also have to, there's something else that you need to do as well. So there are some stipulations to get that, those large dollar amounts for the EIDL loan. So read your loan documents. If there's nothing that I can tell a business person more than anything, I think it's read your loan documents. Read anything that you're signing because you have to understand the fine print. You know, I got calls and emails from people saying, oh, the SBA wants me to do this and this. And I'm like, yeah, I was in the loan agreement. Didn't you read it? <laughs> so, you know, it's anything that you're signing, especially your tax returns. That's oh. a huge one. People yeah. never read their tax returns. How many times do you get asked a question about a tax return when you send it to the taxpayer? Not too often, unless it shows that they owe a lot of money. That's usually the only time you get asked the question. What? Why do I owe twenty thousand dollars? Well, you made eight hundred thousand dollars. Money. I mean, what do you want me to do? Exactly. Make stuff out of thin air. You can, but anyway, that gets you in jail, so be careful. Yeah, I'm not going to show up on the front page of the newspaper, tax preparer, put behind bars, filing fraudulent <laughs> returns. No, thank you. I, I, I agree. Like my, I like my freedom. Let's touch on business meals. That was a pretty Ooh. nice change. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, so those of you that don't know, business meals are now 100% deductible for all of 2021 all 2022 and it doesn't matter if it's in your office or if it's an open house or it's the restaurant or is it the hotel as long as there's a business purpose it is a hundred percent deductible so let's go support our restaurants yeah absolutely it's a huge huge benefit this is another area where you know it'd be nice if there was some additional guidance on what they mean by restaurants you know what qualifies for this additional deduction but, you know, it, it, again, if it seems like it's a business meal at this point, just think that it's going to be 100% deductible. Why not? Yeah. So, I mean, they, they haven't given us any guidance. So that's where I would lean right now. 
FFCRA tax credits. So this is the emergency paid sick leave and family leave. So this was extended. It originally was going to end on December 31st. They extended it to March 31st of 2021. So they extended those credits. So if you have someone who catches the coronavirus or they have to stay home with their kids because the school is closed or something like that, then they should qualify for a, a tax credit that they could put on their taxes. And even, believe it or not, even self-employed people qualify as a Schedule C filer, okay? So if you're a Schedule C filer and you had to stay out of work or you kind of lost earnings because you couldn't work for a period of time due to catching COVID or having to stay home with your kids, then you actually qualify for this as well. So definitely take advantage of it. So there's a form that the IRS created called 7202, form 7202 that you're going to add to your tax return for your Schedule C to claim this credit, okay? Do you think you qualify? Definitely talk to your tax preparer and let them know so that they can make sure that they put it on your tax return. Yeah. But it's, it's pretty advantageous. So you can get benefit up to $5,000 per employee, basically, by doing this. So that's a, lot of ca- that's a lot of money. It's another nice benefit. Yep. SBA loan payments. So the SBA loan payments, there were some businesses that have SBA loans prior to the pandemic that got six months of loan payments paid for them. Okay. And they're going to make another three months of loan payments, I believe, to most businesses as well, um, coming up here in 2021. So those loan payments, if they're making on your behalf, are not taxable. So those are, that's a nice additional benefit as well. Um, and I forgot to mention, the EIDL advances, not taxable either. That's okay. correct. That's so, correct. So yeah, all these nice benefits that you're getting are not taxable. There's some that are. Unemployment, for example, is a lot of people are confused about why unemployment is taxable. It's considered tax. Okay. Anything's taxable unless it's specifically excluded from the tax law, right? That's right. Right. Because you don't want the reserve to be um, depleted. Yep. We touched on a lot of it. I I think so. I mean, you know, we just want to keep it short and to the point, you know, regarding the CARES Act. And if you have any questions, you can contact us. We're easy to find. You can follow us on Twitter. And uh, we hope that you all have a successful tax season. And hopefully that you use uh, any information here to help bring some capital back to your business. Because as Robert, the great Robert Smith said, this is the first time that we're seeing the federal government transfer wealth to small businesses. Because usually these kind of programs were available for the larger businesses, but now the small business for the first time in our country's history is getting the opportunity to transfer wealth. So if nothing else, thank you for joining us. Please stay tuned to our next podcast. Next podcast, we're going to talk about another fun topic, opportunity zones and how you can use this to help you build wealth. Thank you, everybody. See you next time. Thank you for listening to CPA Huddle. Add us to your listening rotation by subscribing wherever you get your podcast. Follow CPA Huddle across social media platforms. And for more information about the services provided by our respective firms, please check us out at www.ilgcpa.com and www.pierreaccounting.com. We will be back to Huddle Up soon.